All right, so as I said before, we are in the last of our series, the last uh, Sunday in our series on spiritual health. And we've been going through the book of Ephesians to learn from Paul just what is spiritual health? What do we need to do to get healthy at the individual level as well as at the community level? And today we're coming full circle. We're going to use Ephesians 6 to review some of the things that we've been talking about. And to get us thinking about it, I want to do something similar to what I did the first day. I want to think a little bit more about physical health in order to dig into an important aspect of spiritual health. Uh, we did that the first day because we saw, I think, that when you, it's a helpful way of getting into spiritual things. You can see that there are parallels there. So let's talk about that for a second. When you think about physical health, you realize that a lot of it has to do with resistance. So what I mean by that, well, it's actually true. You know, if you think about exercising, weightlifting especially, it's literally about resistance. You got to push and pull weight in order to build your muscles. But it's also true in some other senses as well. Uh, I think about willpower when it comes to exercising. And resistance is very much important there. Resisting the temptation to not exercise. Resisting those old habits. There's a reason why so many people choose exercising as a, you know, as a um, New Year's resolution. There we go. Uh, but, you know, so January 2nd and on, the gym is full. But then come February, it's back to the same. Not many people sticking around because it takes resistance, resisting staying home, resisting doing something else, you know, staying too busy to work out, that sort of thing. Or if you're doing it early in the morning, resisting the urge to stay in bed. And also when it comes to eating healthy, resistance is important there. You got to resist the urge to eat poorly or to eat too much of bad stuff, right? And I think about our Friday nights at home, for instance. We like to have a fun night with the kids. We do movie night, that sort of thing every Friday. And so we often order some like deep fried chicken or some pizza. And those nights, I got to really resist the urge to eat way too much of that stuff because my eyes and my mouth are way bigger than my stomach in those times. I eat too much. I do not feel good afterwards. I'm getting a bit older now. Uh, it's not a good thing. <laughs> and uh, also, I think about um, restaurants in here in town, right? There's this one place I love to go to called Freshy. You've probably heard of it. Freshy is just a really good health food kind of place where you can get takeout. But the trouble is, it's surrounded by all these fast food places. You got A&W right beside it. You got Burger King just across the road. And they are just letting out this deep fried goodness smell um, out from their exhaust, wherever it is. I think they're doing it purposefully. You smell that, you're heading to Freshie, and it's like a honing beacon that just brings you over there instead. You, you got to exercise resistance to resist <laughs> those temptations in order to stick with the plan of eating healthy. <laughs> So you get what I mean. Well, and when it comes to spiritual health, it's no different. There's a, a resistance that needs to happen where we have in our physical health, there's these enemies to our health. Well, Paul talks about this in Rome in, in, in Ephesians 6, that there's these enemies to our spiritual health as well that we need to stand firm against. And he uses this uh, illustration of armor, putting on this armor so that we can stand firm, so that we can resist. We're going to look at that. We're going to kind of go through each piece in order to review what we've been talking about through the series. And we're going to wrap it up today. So let's start reading together. I'm going to start reading at Ephesians 6 uh, verses 11 and 12. So there Paul says, 
Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So here we're reminded then that spiritual health is about resisting, it's about standing firm. And when it comes to spiritual health, Paul says that the real enemy are these spiritual forces, what he calls the the devil, the powers, the rulers, these spiritual forces for evil in the world. They are the true enemies of humanity and of God. And Paul talks about this, and actually the New Testament talks about this in more than one place. When it's talking about the devil and talking about these this collection of powers, it actually says some pretty sobering things about them. We taking from Revelation and 2 Corinthians and 1 John, Paul says things like this: that the devil is the god of this world who is deceiving the whole world, and that he's the whole world is under his control in a certain sense. So here's one way that I've found helpful to think about this. Um, if you take all the kind of messy and evil stuff that humanity has created, you'll find that there's still another source of evil in this world. In other words, you can't reduce all the evil and all the sources of evil in this world to just humanity. That's where the devil and this group come in. Uh, David Diego puts it this way, we need to be watchful because we're up against a kind of evil agency. Beyond the disorder and malice of individual human wills, there's the source of evil at the individual level, and beyond the weight of oppressive institutions and customs and human societies, there's the source of evil when we come together and, and do bad things, uh, what the Bible calls the world. Beyond those things, there's that work in creation, a purposeful cunning and energy which seeks our destruction. So Paul is saying here, that's the real enemy. And before we move on, that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind, not only to know what we're up against, but also to remember that, that people aren't the enemy. They aren't the true enemy. As it says here, you know, if it's got blood and flesh, then that's not the true enemy. They might hurt us, they might do us harm, but they aren't the true enemy. In fact, if you follow the words of Jesus, those are who we're on a rescue mission with God trying to save, trying to save from the real enemy who's got them under his spell, so to speak. So that's a really important thing because I think sometimes we forget about that, right? As Christians, sometimes we forget and we start to see other people as the enemy. And Paul is clearly telling us here that that's not the case. That's why Jesus tells us to pray for people, to pray pe for, for our so-called enemies and to bless them and to, to love them, to love our enemies because they're not really the true enemies. And we got to focus our attention on the true enemy. So that's important stuff there. And then Paul gets into how we can do that, how we can stand firm against the attacks of this true enemy. So let's read that now. We're going to start at 13, go to verse 18. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, that true enemy. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm still. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. 
In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we're told here how we can resist, how we can resist the enemy, how we can stand firm for our spiritual health at the individual level and for our community. And this is a helpful picture that we get here. And it really ties together a lot of what we've been talking about. Because each for each of these, I think Paul has in mind the kind of practices and focus that we've been talking about. Putting on these things in order to stand firm. He uses this picture of a soldier from his time. It, it may be a bit hard for us now because we're going back a number of centuries, but you can get in mind what he's talking about here. We can see, we know what a belt is, we know what a helmet is. You can get the picture. And overall, the, the details don't really matter so much as much as the big picture of putting on these things that he's talking about. So let's let's get into them one at a time here. And uh, like I said, we're going to use this to review. So first, there's the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. Well, spiritual health is all about truth. We've been seeing this. And Paul has told us in Ephesians some amazing things that are true because of Jesus for us. So he's told us that we are reconciled with God because of Jesus. He's told us that we have strength and power available to us because of the Spirit. There's, he's told us the truth about God's great love for us, the love of Christ that is ours, that just is beyond imagining. And he prays more than once that we would come to really appreciate those truths, that we would come to really know them, to really understand them, and even on the experiential level, that we would come to experience these things as real. So a lot of spiritual health is really just getting connected to what's true, what's real, and really living from that vantage point and from that firm foundation. Because the enemy wants the opposite. The enemy wants to deceive, uh, wants to take us away from the truth, get us living as if those things even weren't true, living in illusion, living in delusion, and that sort of thing. So we need to stand firm against that. When we know the truth, we need to stand firm in the truth. And how do we do that? Well, we talked in week six about how um, there Paul said that what we need to do <clears throat> is put off the old way of being human. That old way which was caught up in, as he says, which was corrupted by lust and deception and which was characterized by obeying the devil. So that old way of being human was one where it was characterized by harmful desires and emotions that go to extremes. It was characterized by being deceived about what's good for us and what's truly good and what's real. And that's really under Satan's spell. So he's saying because of Jesus, we can put off of that old way of being human and we can enter into a whole new way of being human, which is all about living in the truth. Because what's characteristic about that new way of being human is that the spirit, if we let it, the spirit will renew our thoughts and our attitudes day by day. But 
this doesn't happen in an instant. And we talked about how it's so important to engage in the spiritual disciplines for this to happen so that we can keep putting on our new humanity, keep living and learning about the truth, keep living into the truth and learning about it through the spiritual practices, especially prayer, right? Paul says all of this needs to be in prayer. So prayer really helps us to, for the spirit to speak and have, have the spirit's way in our lives, but also through the other disciplines like meditating on scripture and studying scripture and especially the disciplines around fellowship coming together hearing from each other we do uh, a great work in each other's lives when we remind each other of the truth when we encourage each other so all that comes in and day by day living that way we're putting on that new humanity we're living into the truth putting on the belt of truth so to speak all right, next he gets in into the body armor. So he says that we need to put on the body armor of righteousness. And righteousness there, that's all about things being put to rights. Another word is justice. It's about making things right again. And there, um, what comes to mind for me, a good example maybe, would be um, setting, like setting a broken bone into back into place. So I haven't uh, had a broken arm before, but my wife has. And so she's told me about it. And there, you know, when you break a bone, the whole problem is it's no longer in right alignment, right? It's broken. So the doctor puts it back. It makes it right again, makes it in proper alignment again. So it has a chance to heal. But that's when the real work begins, right? The relationship there has been made right between the bones and all of that's been set back into place. And now you got to put a cast on it. You got to rest it. You got to take care of it that way. And then once the cast comes off, she, as she told me, you look at your arm, it looks like a whole different thing. The thing's super skinny and all that because it hasn't been used. So then you got to take care of it by properly exercising sizing your arm so that it can come back to health, back to life, so to speak. Well, that's what Paul's getting at here. When, because of Jesus, we've been put back into right relationship with God. And that happens in an instant. We are back into alignment with God. We are back into alignment with the kingdom, so to speak. And Jesus talks about this elsewhere. It's like we're branches that have been fused into the branch, like the vine, so to speak, receiving life from the kingdom, receiving life from God. So that happens in an instant. But there's this other part. We talked about this in week three, or sorry, in week one, actually, where we need to now live into that truth, <laughs> live into that, that new right relationship, that being made right with God. And we do that again through the disciplines. A lot of this just keeps coming back to the spiritual disciplines. And by those disciplines, we are doing what we need to do to foster that new right relationship to foster that new life so that just like our broken bone once it's set right and we work do the right things to make our arm get back to health the same is true here the spiritual disciplines are the way of bringing that new relationship into fruition into our lives and uh, bringing kind of really living that out Okay, so next Paul talks about the shoes that we put on. He says, put on the shoes of peace from the good news. And here I see the community now, especially in view. And uh, in week three, we talked about how the spirit is all about making this new community that's defined by peace. Peace because of what Jesus has done. 
And there he uses the big uh, divide uh, that he knew about uh, between Gentiles and Jews, between kind of the nation, the non-Jews and Jews. And that divide was there because of the law. Uh, And we talked about how there was some human-made aspects to this and just kind of reality aspects. But Paul says there that Jesus has done away with the dividing wall. He's, what he has done there has satisfied what needed to happen there with the law, breaking down that divider so that everyone can come together and be a new community in God and and in Christ. A community that's that's all about unity, that's all about peace, and it's all because of the good news of Jesus, all because of the gospel. And there, we talked about how important it is to see our role in this as fostering Um, and agreeing to kind of shared values and shared practices that all come together over time to create uh, a good community. And we talked about culture there, how important that is. Creating a culture, committing together to create a culture of God's goodness. Working with the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit work in us to create a crystal form community. A community that's being formed to be more and more like Jesus. And so there, it's our shared practices and habits and values that really come into play that create this peaceful community. So that's how we put on that those shoes of peace from the good news. Next, Paul goes into a shield, a shield being really important in standing firm against the enemy. And there he says to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So faith being absolutely crucial to all of this. And here in week five, we talked about how faith is really at the root of a healthy spiritual life uh, at the individual level and at the community level. And that's because God wants to shape us into a community that really displays his goodness and his wisdom. Paul says that um, we are to be a unified and peaceful community because we all serve one God. Our faith commitment is to the one God. And there he has baptism in mind, actually, which is our big act of faith. It says there, um, our faith commitment to the one God looks like this. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So we get this picture of a community of people who have put their faith in Christ. And what's key about faith is it's about our heart. It's about our commitment. It's about our passions, our desires. It's about our love. And it's about what we're faithful to. And also, it's an active faith. And there we talked about how important it is for us to foster uh, humility in our lives and, and work and act out of humility and also gentleness and all striving towards unity. And we explored there a little bit about the practices that go into that. And Paul says that the goal here is this, that this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So that's the the goal there, that the faith would just grow in us and the knowledge of God would just grow in us until we're, we're really unified in Christ. And this is to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. 
So I wonder what comes to mind for you when you hear that. If we think about it at, you know, the personal level, what the fiery arrows look like. And they could be so many things. They could be doubt that starts to creep in, that, that the, the enemy wants to take and, and just run with. Or it could be hard circumstances, you know, or it could be personal tragedy. Here's the thing. God can work through each of those. Doubt can be a healthy thing when we give it to God. Um, personal tragedy, God can work through that and with us. And so this doesn't mean that it has to be that case. But the enemy wants to use those things to just fully lead us away from God, to rob us of life. You get that image of an arrow, right, that, that kills. Well, that's what the enemy wants to do with these things. And, uh, or you think of pride, right, when pride starts to get in because of accomplishments, because of triumphs. So the enemy wants to work with those, and we need the shield, that shield of faith to protect us. Or there's also at the collective community level that these arrows are, are coming at us. And anything there that works towards division, that works towards strife, that's an attack from, from, from that, the true enemy, so to speak. And so that's, again, where faith comes in. Faith in the ways we've talked about so that we can shield ourselves from those things. Keep working towards unity, towards gentleness and peace and all of those good things towards unity. So that's the shield of faith. And then there's one more part of the armor that helps us to resist, that helps us to stand firm, and that's the helmet of salvation. Now, salvation there, a lot of what we've been talking about really is salvation. When you think of spiritual health, really that's maybe another couple of words for salvation. Because salvation is much more than just what happens when we die, actually. Sometimes we think of it that way, but it's more than that. And it's even, it's even more than forgiveness of sins. We've sometimes reduced it to those things. Salvation is all the stuff we've been talking about that goes into the new life that's available to us. The new way of life, the new humanity, full humanity that's available to us because of Jesus. And in week two, we talked about how that salvation is a gift. It's a gift from God to us. And it looks like this. It, it looks like freedom. Freedom from the forces of evil that once kind of held us enslaved, so to speak, even. It's freedom from those things so that we can be awakened to and connected to God, awakened to God's kingdom, uh, awakened into alignment with God's kingdom at the heart level in and through Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit, or because of the work of the Holy Spirit, a truly new life. That's what salvation is. But there it was important that we talked about how just like any gift, you got to unwrap it, you got to unpack it, you got to use it. Well, that's true of salvation as well. We got to do our part to unpack that gift of salvation. There I use the example of a guitar. Uh, I was given a guitar one Christmas. It was one of the best Christmas Christmases of my life. And I really unpacked that thing. <laughs> I got lessons, I practiced, I ended up going to school for it. So over time, I really utilized that guitar for all that it could give. And so I was able to make music with it. But so often there's guitarists that they get a guitar, or they buy a guitar, they play it for a little bit, but they don't put in the time, the daily discipline, so to speak, and practice so as to really unpack it so that they can make music with it. Well, 
Something like that is true of our salvation as well. It's a gift that's freely given to us that we can freely receive. But now we're back to those spiritual disciplines. It's on us to engage in prayer, in studying scripture, in coming together to worship, in service, and all of these different practices and disciplines so that we can unpack that gift and so that salvation can really take root in our lives and transform us so we can really become spiritually healthy, so to speak. So that was the helmet of salvation. And those are the aspects that protect us. But then there's one more that he mentions. And here it's the sword. This is the only weapon that we have. And here it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this makes me think of week seven, because that word of God came up there when Paul was talking about the relationship between a husband and wife and the relationship between Christ and the church. There he said, for husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And here's how Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So, That's the sword that we're talking about here. God's word, which is at work in the church (laughs) to clean and make, sorry, to make clean, to wash, to really bring this new life, the spiritual health that we're talking about, really make a change in people's lives. And there, I think, though the Bible can help, though this is certainly about kind of being rooted in scripture, I think it's actually getting at something a little bit deeper that the, uh, that the Bible can connect us with. Here we're talking about God's actual word, powerful word. The, the word that's mentioned in Genesis, that by God's word, he created the heavens and the earth just by his words. He spoke and it came into being. Uh, It's also talked about in that passage that we read uh, this morning in the welcome in Isaiah. It says there in Isaiah 11, verses 4 to 5, He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. And from one breath of his mouth, he will destroy the wicked. He will destroy the enemy. That's in Isaiah 11. It's that word that we're talking about. And T. Wright puts it this way. It's the word of the gospel through which God accomplishes his powerful cleansing work in people's hearts and lives. That's the word. It's the word Jesus used when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, Lazarus out of the tomb from death to life. It's the word that, that really freed people from demons and that healed people. That's the word that we're talking about. That's the weapon against Satan against the true enemy. And we need to hear that word on a regular basis. We need to really let God's word take shape, or sorry, take root in our lives and to really change us, to keep freeing us from Satan's deception, from Satan's hold on various aspects of us so that we can keep being freed up and, and really free because of God's word. And it's interesting just before we move on with that, because when Paul talks about how Christ loves the church by dying for the church uh, and cleansing and you know changing the church through his word, the medium here of God's word, what it's conveyed through is love. That's what we learned there. That's what we learned in a number of places. God w- expresses his love for us most <laughs> through Christ on the cross. That's a pretty cool thought. And to end it off, to round it all off, Paul says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert 
and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. All of this is wrapped up in prayer. Prayer is the absolute essential part in staying firm here in resisting the enemy for our spiritual health. And there, what comes to mind for me is Jesus' words to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, that famous scene before his death, um, where he's praying to God. And he says to the disciples, stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that's eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. That's Matthew 26, 40 to 41. There we see there how important prayer is for resisting. It's the prayer-shaped life that can resist and that can really stand firm uh, for spiritual health. Great. So I'm going to end off there. We've looked at each one in turn. We've used it as a chance to kind of review what we've talked about over the last weeks, uh, over the last number of weeks. And to bring everything together, I, there's a quote that I came across from Greg Boyd that I find really helpful. He says this, we engage in spiritual warfare. What we're talking about here was standing firm in resistance. We engage in that by imitating every aspect of Jesus's life and obeying his teachings, including his command to love, bless, and sacrifice for our would-be enemies, even when they threaten our lives. Loving our enemies, the flesh and blood, <laughs> is part of that spiritual uh, health and resisting the enemy, the true enemy. So spiritual health, then, in a nutshell, is all about following Jesus' example in every aspect of his life, his prayer life, his walk with God, and his teachings. And so there again, we're back to the spiritual disciplines because he modeled them and took part in them regularly. And I get it. I know that sometimes people struggle with the idea of spiritual disciplines because what maybe comes to mind are extreme examples. Examples of people who are holed up in a cave out in the desert or something like that. Or, or of people who are perched atop a really big um, column pillar type thing and they're up there for years just sitting there praying and engaging in some of these disciplines. And so those extreme examples come to mind and we think, okay, well, isn't that kind of like a dehumanizing thing? And, and isn't that kind of the opposite of freedom? But actually, what I want to say is it's quite the opposite here. The spiritual disciplines are quite the opposite. Um, first off, I've just to not to knock those people, I've studied a lot to do with, with some of those people who might be this extreme examples. And they actually accomplished quite a lot with their lives in terms of the influence that they had. But um, so, so I don't want to judge there, but kind of putting them aside and just getting into these disciplines like prayer and meditation and studying scripture and service and solitude and fellowship and, and submission and all of these good practices, engaging in them regularly. These are not dehumanizing. They're not placing limitations on our freedom. In, in fact, it's quite the opposite. They are our way of really stepping into our full humanity, of putting on the full humanity, as Paul says. Um, they're the way that we live into that freedom. And the same is true of any great pursuit, any great, any, any, any person who's had to kind of go through the disciplines of becoming 
uh, something. So like a, a surgeon, a musician, an athlete, those sorts of things. They'll tell you that the discipline and the practices were absolutely key for getting there and for being freed up to do what they needed to do. I know this to be true in, in music and in my kind of years of studying jazz and practicing jazz. You think of improvisation there, you think, okay, that's a, a very free activity. But any jazz musician will tell you that it's only a time of freedom because you've put in a whole bunch of practice beforehand so that these scales and these this rhythm and all of this stuff is like second nature. So you're able to improvise with it. That's the way to true freedom there. It's true of these other pursuits as well. And something like that is true of spiritual health and what we're talking about with spiritual disciplines. It's through these disciplines that when, a time, when the time comes for kindness, for gentleness, for love, and these things, so that it's, it's through these that the Spirit shapes us so that we're free to improvise on these themes, so that we're really free to do those things and to really be human, because that's what a true human, true humanity is kindness, it's love, it's all of those things. So that's a bit of an encouragement to dive into these things, to dive into the spiritual disciplines. Um, and to finish off, I, I kind of like what N.T. Wright says. Uh, he says this in Luke for Everyone. He says, the Christian discipline of fighting temptation, it's not about self-hatred or rejecting parts of our God-given humanity. It's about celebrating God's gift of full humanity. And like someone learning a musical instrument, discovering how to tune it and play it to its best possibility. So he saw that too, that parallel there. And that's great. We're putting on our full humanity. So spiritual health then, in a nutshell, it's really about reclaiming, about living into our full humanity that's there for us because of Jesus. We see it in Jesus and it's available to us because of Jesus, because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And in another way, it's about receiving that new life that's available to us as a gift to be unwrapped. So I'm hoping that through this, we've been inspired and just like I have to really dive into these spiritual disciplines. Um, so why not maybe read a book on it, something like Dallas Willard's The Spirit of the Disciplines or, or talk to someone, feel free to talk to me even, just ways of getting started in this if it's new to you. And as a community, that's my prayer for us as the peer family that we would just keep living into these things that really are already going on so that we can keep fostering this culture of goodness that we've talked about, really moving into spiritual health together. So let's pray uh, now today to finish off. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for this time together today. Thank you for these words to us. I pray for each of us that these would take hold and that we would have a real passion for spiritual health in the way that we've learned about it today. You know our needs, Lord God, and we can trust, thankfully, that we have the gift of the Spirit that really does the hard work in all of this. But help us to respond in the ways that we need to. We give this all to you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.